On February 24th, in a year far removed from our own, a rogue ship known as the Pharaoh wanders the sky. As its head, we see Eden Dantes, the wily young captain of a band of pirates. She is rugged but just, leading her crew with an iron hand. They are treated fairly and encouraged to be merciful, not to mention their ample pay. Under Dantes' leadership, they are as successful as pirates could be. Between travels, Eden visits her dearest Mercedes, whom she someday hopes to marry. The two met as children and were inseparable ever since. Even as Dantes took to the sky and Mercedes grew from a boy into a vibrant woman. Eden longs for a day she is rich enough to leave her raucous life and settle down somewhere peaceful. Above all, she confides in her second mate, Ferdinand Mondego. Though crewmates come and go, Ferdinand has been a friend from the beginning. Together, she knows they could conquer the galaxy. Unbeknownst to Eden, as her fortune grows, so does Ferdinand's jealousy. He envies her wealth, the admiration of her crew, and most of all, Mercedes' affection. After years of deliberation, he sees an opportunity to claim Eden's prospects for himself. Franz, Rene, come over here. I have something I think you should see. Ugh, go back to bed, Mondego. It's barely morning. If you have time to get up and drink, you have time for this. Look at what I found in the captain's quarters. No, no, no. No bad news after yesterday. That was the finest bounty we've had in months. I'd like to savor that victory. The hell were you doing in Eden's quarters anyway? That fortune might not be ours for long. Read this. My dearest Mercedes, I am writing to you with... A letter to Mercedes? Don't tell me you're getting jealous over this. (laughs) Dear Mercedes... I saw that Eden was writing you a letter, and that made me sad, because you never say anything to me. I thought I should send you a letter too, and maybe someday you'll respond to it. (laughs) (laughs) Keep reading. My dearest Mercedes, I am writing to you with the best of news. Yesterday, my crew acquired a massive fortune. One that will finally get me off this wretched ship. I'm prepared to run the moment I land. Be ready to leave in two days' time. I should arrive in the morning, and I have enough wealth to take us wherever we please. Until then, be safe and be well. Tell nobody. I'll see you soon. Yours always, Eden. No way. She's actually going to ditch us. Didn't she say she'd divvy up the earnings tomorrow? It doesn't matter. She obviously intends to turn against us. And we can't let her succeed. What are you suggesting? We overthrow her. She's asleep now. If we move quickly, we'll have her cornered. It it feels risky, but... We won't have another chance. Gather the rest of the crew and show them what I've found. Will strike before the bells of dawn. Ferdinand's plan is a success. None of Eden's crew questioned the letter, let alone realize it had been forged. 
They take Eden hostage, marooning her on the moon of Eve, a tiny satellite on the edge of the solar system. Only when the ship departs does Eden discern Ferdinand's betrayal. Alone on a lifeless planet, she has only her vengeance for company. Her savior is the Monte Cristo, an abandoned ship left by a long-forgotten merchant. In its holds are fathomless riches, now worthless to Eden, and a library complete with centuries of knowledge. The ship's intelligence, F4RIA, or Faria, is the only trace of humanity left on this planet. With Faria's help, Eden devises a plan to repair the ship and break free from the moon of Eve. By day, she scavenges the planet's surface for materials. By night, Faria tutors her in the ship's library, going beyond engineering to educate Eden in language, philosophy, and economics. In this time away from the world, she realizes her name is not Eden, but Esmond. It takes them over a decade to repair the Monte Cristo, but at long last, they make their escape. Upon their return, Esmond spends years rebuilding himself as the Count of Monte Cristo. Their mysterious emergence and wealth draw the attention of high society, though they are never recognized as one of the galaxy's most infamous pirates. In the years of Esmond's absence, Mondego prospered. His wealth only grew after inheriting the Pharaoh, and with Esmond gone, he convinced a woeful Mercedes to be his bride. He had the Pharaoh's crew imprisoned and rebuilt her as a merchant vessel, pioneering the Morel Trading Company. His wealth grew immeasurably. Within years, Ferdinand had created an empire, crowning himself as the Count de Morcerf. He and Mercedes raised a son, Albert, who was named heir to the Mondego fortune. Ferdinand's affluence attracted many ventures, but one in particular caught his eye. Known as Anka International, whose representative earned his favor. He poured his assets into the company, and his profits boomed. Few in the galaxy had ever known such prosperity. In the celebration of Ferdinand's explosive wealth, a ball is held at the Chateau de Morcerf. The elusive Count of Monte Cristo is rumored to be there. All eyes are turned to the manor, hungrily anticipating the night's events. Captain's log number 872. Position is 270 degrees, positive 84 degrees relative to the galactic center. Not that it really matters. Currently, I am approaching RSS 1844, otherwise known as the Chateau de Morcerf. Fernand has truly outdone himself. It seems he couldn't settle for a mansion on the world's surface. No, he wanted his own little von Braun wheel. How ornate. In spite of the years it's taken to reach this point, I am unusually calm. I can see no flaw in my plan. Fernand's destruction is assured, but to truly leave him with nothing, I must bring an end to his heir. This should be easy. The boy is reckless, and there's no doubt I'll find evidence of his mistakes in this mansion. He's also said to have an appetite for affairs of honor. I should have no problem drawing him into my trap. 
At long last, my revenge will be complete. Fernand will meet his fortune's end. Still, one fear persists in my mind. I worry, for some reason, that I will see Mercedes. Until recently, I chose to believe she just faded away. Perhaps she built a life of her own, or with a new love on some alien world. <sighs> Rumor has it she's Fernand's wife. She wouldn't recognize me, but her memory haunts me to this day. I can't fathom what I'll do if she's there. If all goes correctly, I'll avoid her. I can only hope she won't be a victim of Fernand's fall. End log. Faria, initiate landing procedure. Where? No, here. Maybe... Aha. Excuse me, but are you lost? I must be. I was looking for the parlor, but instead stumbled upon someone's bedchambers. I'm deeply sorry. Ah, uh, that would be young Master Alberts. It's no trouble, Your Excellency. I can show you to the parlor if you'd like. Please. Excuse me for speaking out of line, but what draws you to the parlor? Are you missing the party? That's just my intention. I need a moment away from the noise. Hmm, I see. It should be right around this corner. Here. Thank you. Young Master Albert, put down your father's pistol. Oh, calm down. It isn't loaded. I'm simply admiring it. That's a fine dueling set. It's a shame they collect so much dust. A shame indeed. If I had an excuse, I'm sure I could get more use out of them. Albert, remember your manners. You're speaking to the Count of Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo, you say? That would be me. Uh, say, Count, why don't you come have a drink? Young master. He's all right. Albert, it would be my pleasure to join you. Take a seat. I'll leave you be. Cheers. To what? What is it there to celebrate? My father is rich, and from what I hear, so are you. You've heard of me. Oh, only rumors. Though you do remind me of someone. Is that so? A few years ago, a representative came to talk about their company. They wanted my father to invest. That's how he got involved with Anka International. What a strange coincidence. Strange indeed. But so is your pension for solitude. Your name is strewn across the galaxy, yet you're a mystery to everyone here. I prefer it that way. I find the spotlight quite intimidating. <laughs> I'm surprised someone like you finds anything intimidating. The more people you know, the more vulnerable you are. I guess that's true. I don't mind being known, though. It's not like I've got anything to hide. Are you sure of that? Excuse me? It's quite risky not hiding your face in public. Have you seen me somewhere? Recently, in fact. Just a couple weeks ago, you were at the Casino de Voile. Funny! I must have missed you. I didn't stay long. Though, I did see Baron Danglars leave with quite a hefty sum. Really? Hmm. Oh, yes. I feel sorry for the poor soul that lost all that money. Yeah, me too. 
It must feel terrible. That would eat me from the inside out, gambling away my hard-earned savings. Unless, of course, they weren't mine to start with, but even then- What do you know, Count? Excuse me? You- Surely you- I know that money was yours, Albert. And I know how you got it. It's a clever ruse, creating a charity and persuading your own father to make reoccurring donations. It's a shame you haven't been using your earnings responsibly. There's no way you could know that! Where's your proof? <laughs> that alone was plenty. But I found some very interesting financial documents in your room. How would this reflect upon you, Albert? What about your family? This... This is insidious! You aren't going to get away with this! <laughs> I have all of your secrets right here. Then... Then... Then I challenge you, Count! Duel with me! Tomorrow! Eleven bells! On my honor? I'll shoot first. All right. If you're willing to die for this, then... Die for what? Nothing, Mother. I was telling a joke. It's late, Albert. You should be in bed. Actually, I think I should be downstairs. Good night, Monte Cristo. I'll see you tomorrow. Farewell, young master. I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind if I join you. Uh, the... <clears throat> That's fine. Though... Shouldn't you be downstairs as well? I needed to get away. It's not like I had anyone to see. Nor did I. So are... Eden. I know it's you. What? Isn't it? Your eyes. Your face. Your voice. No. I must not be thinking straight. Forgive me. I thought you were someone else. Mercy. It's, it's me. It isn't. This is a dream. I'm here. Though, I've changed my name. It's Esmen now. Esmen Dantes. Esmen. Hmm. It suits you. I can't believe he did this to you. Pardon? Fernand. Lying scoundrel took everything from me. My ship, my fortune, my life with you. I didn't want to believe what I'd heard, but now I must. It's all the more reason to ruin him. Ruin him? What do you mean? Mercy, my star, this place isn't safe for you. I have no clue what lies he's told you, but you won't hear them any longer. Not after I'm finished. Esmond. I'm going to tear his life apart. Peace. By peace. Esmond, stop! I don't have a clue what you're saying. I. I don't even understand how you're alive. What did he tell you? I assume you mean Fernand. He told me your crew turned against you and abandoned you on the edge of the solar system. He was imprisoned during the mutiny, but managed to escape and send a beacon signal to the authorities. Everyone but him was taken away. He could never find you. No matter how hard he looked, he told me you were gone. My crew did turn against me. 
Fernand tricked them into doing it. I was marooned on the moon of Eve. Though it is deserted, remnants of its atmosphere remain which allowed me to live there. I survived in the ruined ship of a nobleman and spent my years there repairing it. So, that's how you escaped. What of your wealth? It was left on the ship, along with an extensive library. Hmm. Mondego made his fortune with the pharaoh. I have no excuse for marrying him except that I was... lost. Did you mourn me? Of course I've mourned you. I've mourned every minute not spent with you because somehow... I knew that time was stolen from me. Now, my life is gone. It wasn't life without you. You're still alive, Mercedes. You have a wealth of life ahead of you. Then I want to spend what's left of it by your side. You can't stay here. What are you going to do? I'm going to destroy Mondego. Within days, he'll have nothing left. How do you... I've devised a way to rid Fernand of his assets. First, though, I'll lay waste to his reputation. Albert has challenged me. The loss of his heir will leave him in shambles. Esmond, he's a child. He's my child. Don't you want to leave? After everything he's done to you, to us? I... I do, Esmond. More than anything. But that doesn't mean I'm not attached to this place. I'll hardly miss Ferdinand, but... Albert is my son. I raised him, and I still care for him. He's so... young. He... he doesn't deserve this. I was his age, when I was abandoned on the moon of Eve. You didn't deserve that either, Esmond. Promise me you won't kill him. Please. I'm not a killer, nor do I want to be. But I have changed. You must understand that. I asked you to make me a promise. Mercedes, I will do anything to prove to you that my heart is no different than before. Yet you can't assure me of this. I thought better of you, Esmond. If you can't make this promise now, I hope you'll change your mind come the morning. I want to believe I can trust you. I want to know that after all this time, you're still the person I love. The ball carried on, though the Count of Monte Cristo vanished before the bells of midnight. Both the Countess de Morcerf and her son retired early, the latter taken ill with anxiety. The following day, as the suns breached the horizon and the great rings illuminated the sky, the Count of Monte Cristo arrived in the courtyard of the Chateau de Morcerf. Here, Albert loaded his gun, red with determination, at mid-morning light. They stood in a great arboreum, positioned to catch the sun's rays as the station made its orbit. 
Light shone through a fine mist as they met in the courtyard center. I see you took my father's gun. As did you. You're sure you want to go through with this? For my honor? Anything. Twenty-five paces. May the loser die with their secrets. They shook hands, turned away, and walked twenty-five paces in either direction. Albert was to shoot first. Dantes kept their back turned. Albert's hands trembled as he tried to keep them from squeezing. On the twenty-fifth pace, time stood still. His blood ran cold. He looked back to see Esmond standing patiently at the end of the courtyard, like a statue waiting to strike. Albert lifted his gun, turned on his heel, and he shot. Cold, dark eyes and the barrel of a gun glared at him from across the square. He had missed. It was the Count's turn to fire. No. No, 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 wait, don't shoot, I'm begging you! shot my gun right out of my hand. I don't miss, Albert. You're being spared. What? Very soon, your father is going to lose everything. There is a small fortune waiting for you in the Galactic Bank. Tell them Dante sent you. Why are you doing this? And how much is there? Enough to buy you a ship and a comfortable life. If you're smart, you'll invest in something profitable. I still don't understand why you're doing this. Your father wronged me in ways I'll never forgive. However, as Mercy's son, it would be cruel of me to use you against him. I want you to go. I leave you this life with hope that you'll spend it wisely. More so than I've spent mine. Your Excellency? How have you spent your life? I've waited and hoped for something I cannot achieve through vengeance. Justice will be delivered, yes. But that alone will not bring me repose. What will? Leave, now, before it's too late for you. I bid you well. Perhaps someday we'll meet again. Captain's Log number 873. Albert lives, and I find myself freed of a massive weight. A part of me still mourns my revenge. More so, I fear the person who'd go to such lengths in the name of fairness. My only regret is that I didn't fear them sooner. Even if Mercedes can't forgive my brashness, I hope she'll spare me her wrath. If she doesn't, I won't blame her. Her words will follow me to my grave. Last night, before I left, I found a note on my ship's door. It reads, You'll know if you should return. I'll be waiting here. Mercedes' handwriting hasn't changed. 
Whether this means a second chance doesn't matter to me. To see her one more time, even if it's the last, is my only wish. I'm approaching the dock now. I think... I think I see her. End log. Initiate landing. As Esmond emerges into the Chateau de Morcerf, they see Mercedes running towards them, stumbling to a stop. Too stunned to speak, they meet her at the foot of their ship. She catches them in her arms. Esmond! Hush, my star. I don't want you to be caught. Listen, you don't have to go with me if you aren't sure. You may take the ship I've arranged, and I'll give you what you need to start a new life, if that's what you want. Esmond, Ferdinand is looking for you. You have to go. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Why would he be looking for me? Because Albert told me what you said. Ferdinand appears in the opposite hall, coming closer with a menacing glare. As he meets Esmond's gaze, they see no familiarity in his face. To him, they are only a stranger. So much for honor. (laughs) I care more about my assets than my son's reputation. What are you planning, Count? How exactly do you plan to destroy me? I already have. (laughs) Please, tell me more. You own substantial stocks in Anka International, correct? Yes. Albert claimed you were its representative. And these stocks supply the majority of your wealth. Where are you going with this? I've just been to the bank today, and at long last, the work is finalized. Anka International is bankrupt. (gasps) What do you mean? You don't- I do, actually. The company was of my creation. Where has my money gone? It was distributed across multiple accounts. Most of it was spent or collected by the bank. Unfortunately, there was nothing left to pay back the company's debts. And investors? Will not be repaid. Within a year, you'll have nothing left. Mercedes, did you know about this? I had no idea. Tell me you'll stay. Please. Please. You have to stay. Had I known you lied to me, I would have never stood beside you. I certainly won't now. Why? Why would you do this? You abandoned me long ago when you knew me by a different name. You stole everything from me. All my life, I prepared for your downfall. Then what's left for you? You gain nothing from this. What is it all for? I have not spent my life seeking material ends from your downfall. Nor, I now realize, will it make me happy. All I will gain is the peace of knowing you have what you deserve. Ferdinand watched with dawning terror as the Count of Monte Cristo turned back towards their ship, 
Mercedes turned to, facing into the steam of the shuddering airlock. Within months, the Chateau de Morcerf disappeared from orbit. Rumors spread of Mondego's disappearance, but were quickly lost amidst the bustle of noble affairs. Ferdinand vanished from the public eye. What became of his empire, none would know. The Morel Shipping Company was forgotten. In another solar system, a young man starts his own mercantile, adapting to a smaller life than he'd imagined. He speaks often of visiting his mother. He says she roams the galaxy, passing by on a moment's whim. Her son's home is one of her favorite stops. The Count of Monte Cristo goes with her, though their name is meaningless in these far-off worlds. Soon, they hope, it will fade from memory. They conceal their remaining wealth, keeping the mercantile afloat with anonymous payments. The rest funds their travels. It seems their old ship leaves almost as soon as it lands, headed to places unknown. Ferdinand, as with the rest of the galaxy, is a fading memory for the coupled starfarers. With each passing year, they return to the people they were, just and carefree, unburdened by vengeance and sorrow. It is here, among the stars, with Mercedes by their side, that Esmond Dantes finds peace. Tranthologies is a Transanthology podcast distributed by the Listless Network and produced by Alex Abrahams. The Captain of Monte Cristo was written and directed by Sylvie Keys and co-directed and audio edited by Zoe Davis. In today's episode, you heard the voices of Wes French as the narrator, Alex Abrahams as Ferdinand, the illustrious Sean Tomboken Flowers as René, L.M. Clohessy as Franz, Ronan Frenzel as Esmond, quirked up non-binary Ethan Sutherland as a servant, Sats Stefano as Albert, and Moira Juliet Scott as Mercedes. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to tune in tomorrow for Forsaken Part 2, written by Cash Hervias. But until then, see you, Space Cowboy. <laughs>